It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Buckeye fans and welcome to another episode of the Buck Nuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy here with Buck Nuts and 24/7 Sports. Man, what a busy last week and a half it's been since the Cotton Bowl. Uh last week when we did this show, we were talking about the game and some things that could happen. A lot has happened since then. A lot has happened even today as we record this on Wednesday, January 10th. So we're going to try and get into as much of it as we can, try and hit at least a little bit on everything. Um, I have a Pabst Blue Ribbon here. I wanted to take it easy in case there's any more news that pops off. And we have a basketball game tonight. So it's it's been a crazy week. And to help me break it all down, I brought in Bill Curlick. Bill, how are we doing today? Doing okay. And uh we surely are going to start with the basketball game tonight, right? Being an ex-basketball coach, we got to start there. My plan was to ask you your thoughts on the the game and the team at the end of the show. So we'll okay. save it so people have to wait for your <laughs> thoughts on, on Buckeye basketball. Always thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to. All right, Bill, I want to go back to coming out of the Cotton Bowl. Obviously, Buckeyes lose 14-3. Uh, it was one of the worst offensive showings in recent memory. Now, there were reasons for that, obviously, with the injuries and the offensive line changing, guys that had left the program. What were you kind of hearing from people you talked to, be it recruits, be it parents, be it coaches, kind of the vibe of the program coming out of the Cotton Bowl? Yeah, I think everyone was disappointed. Um, you know, it was not, I don't think, by anyone's standards, Ohio State-wise, uh, what was expected. Um, you know, I think the general feeling was though, that, uh, you know, let's get that behind us and move forward. And that is what they've done. And actually they've done it in a pretty spectacular way when you get to January. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into each thing, but you know, not only are we talking transfer portal, we're talking staff changes. We're talking players coming back. We're talking guys committing, high school prospects committing. So it has been a a busy, busy, and I would say most often positive start to the offseason. The first addition was 
Uh, one that kind of, I would say, flew under the radar a little bit with the uh, addition of Ohio tight end, Ohio University tight end. Will, am I saying this right? Kakmerick, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, uh-huh. All right. mm-hmm. That is a guy that I doubt, unless you went to OU and you follow their program closely, you know a ton about. I don't think people were overly excited uh, because it wasn't a big name. But what can you tell us about the tight end position, what the Buckeyes were looking for here? I think that addition is kind of, as you referred to, a little underrated. Um, you know, when they – Kate Stover is going to be moving on. Yep. Um, and when you look what they have coming back, they've got Jelani Thurman, who I think, you know, in my mind, he can be a, a David Njoko uh, type tight end for Ohio State. You know, Njoku pretty much, you know, came into the Cleveland Browns as a receiver, but developed into uh, really an all-round very good tight end and actually an all-pro tight end this year for the Browns. And I think Jelani Thurman coming into Ohio State was no, known more as a receiving tight end, say, than uh, than a blocking tight end. Yeah. But I think he can get there. Um, in the meantime, you know, they've got uh, him, of course, and they've got uh, the other tight ends uh, on the roster, including one coming in, Demarion Witten, who will probably be more like a, uh, uh, a receiver first slash tight end. Uh, he did not play in line for the Glenville. He played split out, but he's 6'3 and 205, 210 pounds now, and he's going to get bigger. Uh, then, of course, D. Scott Jr., uh, a guy, a converted wide receiver. So uh, when you look at the current roster, they needed a – quote, inline tight end. Yeah. And I think uh, Cass Merrick can be that kind of guy. He's six foot six. He's 256 pounds. And and um, I think he's a guy that could help. We all know about the struggles on the offensive line. Well, if you've got a good tight end that can block, that can really help those struggles. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you're losing Cade Stover, who has been an effective blocker throughout his career, especially when healthy. Um, G Scott has been inconsistent in that capacity and we haven't seen a ton of, of the other guys doing, uh, that part of the game. Uh, and look, it's not like Kekmerick has not caught the ball. He has 42 catches over the last two years and two touchdowns. So, um, he's a guy who you can probably leak out. I imagine at times to do some things. So I will be interested to see kind of where he fits in the pecking order here. G Scott's waited a long time to have this opportunity. And I know he's been a big part of their locker room. Now you have to produce on the field, obviously, but I'll be interested to see how this one plays out. Um, all right. We move. And, and, and you know, you know, Pat, looking back at urban Myers offenses at Ohio state, the tight ends, <laughs> they, they blocked. I mean, they, they, they uh, used those guys and they pulled them and they blocked down on yeah. the defensive tackle on inside running plays of the defensive end. And that was one of their most effective running plays where, the tight end did that. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And I, not to get ahead of ourselves too much, but I remember JT Barrett running behind a couple of different tight ends during his career. And the Buckeyes are going to get more mobile at quarterback as we're talking, as we will talk about here in a few minutes. So, you know, those type of plays may be back on, on the table for Ohio state. Um, but let's, you, you mentioned the offensive line and not that this impacts things on the edges, but the Buckeyes brought in Seth McLaughlin, the Alabama center, who everybody's last memory of in a Crimson Tide uniform will be the, the bad snaps he had against Michigan in the college football playoff, including the last snap of the game um, in overtime that was low and, and ended up being a tackle for a loss on, on the quarterback. As we have kind of looked into this, both you and I, uh, I think – we are able to look past that. Now he did have snapping issues throughout the season. I talked with a guy from one of the guys from our Alabama site. There's a story on Bucknuts about that, talking about how, yes, there were issues this year, but he was really good two years ago when he took over. Um, one of the best centers in the SEC, actually taking over about halfway through the season. What's kind of your read on this addition here and, and maybe how it affects what the rest of the offensive line will look like? 
I, uh, I've been pretty adamant that <laughs> I love this addition to the program. Uh, you've got a, a proven SEC Alabama level guy. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, two years ago, he was really good. He didn't have those problems, really. Uh, they did develop this year. There's no question about that. But um, as Seth told me himself, he said, I'm super confident that that, that that'll get corrected. Um, and he used the, the, the word super confident. Um, yeah, he said that Justin Fry has laid out a plan for him, drills and so on and so forth, uh, of how they're going to get that corrected. So I think that they will. Um, and I do think, you know, some of it at times starts to accumulate and becomes mental. Um, so I think you have to work on that too, but I think they'll get that corrected. And, you know, as far as the offensive line now, I do think Seth will end up as at center. And that's, that's the position he's played. Uh, started, I believe, 24, 25 games at Alabama at that position over the last two years. So I do believe that he will be the center. Uh, so what does that mean for John Hinsman? Well, I, I think he can play guard. And actually, Hinsman uh, came in as a guy. We didn't know what he was going to play for sure. We didn't know if he was going to be a center or a guard, and he ended up at center. Um, but uh, McLaughlin Seth did tell me that he'll do whatever they want. If they want to move him to guard or whatever, then he'll he'll do it. So, you know, I, I think that you've got, a, to me, a proven starter, whether it be a center or guard, and I think it will be center, in Seth, and then you go from there. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, separately, we've talked to people who have both said that center is the position they see him playing at Ohio State. It sounds like from when you talk to him, that's what he expects to do. Um, you know, you have a hole now at, at right guard with Matthew Jones announcing he's going to leave. And literally, as we are recording this, Donovan Jackson announced he's coming back. So that is a big, uh, big return for Ohio state that, that fills a potential hole on the offensive line. Um, but the one thing too, is I like the experience that you get from a guy who has played not only at Alabama in the sec, but he won the sec. He's played in a college football playoff. Yes. Did it all go perfect last year? No. But as you mentioned, Bill, the, the, the mental side of things, maybe a change of scenery really helps that and kind of gets this guy who, a lot of programs, not just Ohio State, were interested in coming out of Alabama. And I know you reported it. Alabama did not want him to leave, correct? No. they. Uh, he went with Nick Saban. He said that was a hard thing to do, to tell Nick Saban, I'm leaving. And he said, Nick Saban said, we don't want you to leave. We we, we want you to stay. Uh, but Saban also realized that, uh, as Seth told me, that sometimes when guys have their minds made up that they're going to do something, it's better you're probably not going to talk them out of it. So, you know, uh, Saban didn't try, uh, you know, for a prolonged period of discussion to talk him out of it, but he said, we want you to stay. And if you do decide to go, which he did, uh, you know, we, we want you to know that you're always welcome back here if you want to be back here. So. Right. Well, and, you know, if the arguably the best coach in college football history is uh, saying he wants a guy to stay around and, and even come back later in his life. I think that speaks volumes to the player and the person that Ohio State is getting. Nick Saban doesn't get many wrong. And I know Alabama fans were frustrated with the snaps throughout the year, but uh, I do think this will be this will be one. Now, I do want to see, you know, obviously the offensive line, you need to get them together. You need to figure out who's going to play that right guard spot. And you need to... Maybe I know Dave Biddle talked this morning on the Bucknuts Morning Five about could they add a right tackle? We'll see about that. But I want to see that group play together before I'm ready to make any statements. But I do like this pickup as we sit here right now on January 10th. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and, I, and I can tell you, address that real quick. I can tell you they are still looking for a possible tackle addition, but it's got to be somebody that's, that's uh, uh, you know, a quality player. They're not going to bring just anybody in, but they are still looking for a possible addition at tackle. But if you look at what they got, you know, I think you and I talked about this during the season. Um, their offensive line really kind of developed pretty well over the course of the season. And so you've got uh, McLaughlin as an addition, and you've got Donovan Jackson coming back. Those are that's, – that's huge. Uh, then you've got your two starting tackles 
coming back with a, a full year of experience, and maybe maybe one of them moves to guard if they if they have a center or a tackle that they happen to be able to get to bring in. Um, the, then you've also got uh, uh, guys that weren't starters last year. I, I said Hensman, he could be a guard. Uh, Luke Montgomery was impressive as a freshman. What he did, he could. He has been a tackle, but he's played at guard in high school. And one of those guys on the perimeter, uh, maybe Fryer, or whatever, could move to guard. So I really think this offensive line, as it stands right now, especially with Jackson back, can be a pretty decent offensive line, um, especially with Seth in the center now calling out uh, everything that needs to be to be done and all his experience. Agreed. Um, and I, I think, too, it's important to mention those some of those younger guys who, you know, yes, the transfer portal is there and you can go get some guys with experience, but the Buckeyes have always been a team that prefer to continue to develop their guys. Offensive line, obviously a developmental position. So, you know, you mentioned a, a Luke Montgomery, um, you, you know, there's a, there's a few guys who, who probably are looking for bigger opportunities and that could be your answer if they are able to step up and, and, you know, kind of advance their, their game beyond what they've done so far. Tegra Shabola is another one. Tegra, yeah, absolutely. I was surprised that we didn't see more of Montgomery or Shabola in the Cotton Bowl, but that's neither here nor there. Regardless of who is on the offensive line, they will be blocking for a new quarterback. Well, at least in practice, we assume Kansas State's Will Howard, who announced his commitment to Ohio State last Thursday evening, will come in and win the job. I guess we don't know that for sure. We haven't heard from Ryan Day, but you don't generally get a one-year quarterback who isn't coming in to play right away. Bill, I've looked a lot at Will Howard, but what have you heard about kind of what the Buckeyes are, are getting? And then I'll, I'll follow up there. Well, I, I said all along, you know, we're looking at two names, Riley Leonard or Will Howard. And we, you and I talked about these two guys kind of nauseum uh, for the past month. And it ended up being Will Howard, not unexpectedly. We kind of knew, for quite some time that Riley Leonard was going to Notre Dame. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Howard, I think, brings uh, something that Ohio State really hasn't had lately, a guy that, while he's not Braxton Miller, he can definitely run. And at 6'5 and 242 pounds and with decent speed, he can run. Now, we all know Ryan Day is not a uh, – uh, he's not going to make anybody into a uh, Braxton Miller. He doesn't believe in running the quarterbacks like that. But I just think it's such a big, big weapon to be able to do that. Uh, Joe Burrow is not a runner, but uh, they use him on quarterback draws, for instance, and, and he gets the job done there. Um, so I think that that's really big, that he can run, and it gives you the added threat and dimension. And, and he's got the experience. And I think when, when he's throwing to guys that he's going to be throwing to at Ohio State, I think that – gets him up a notch as well. Yeah, I, I think that's important to, to note. And I think a lot of people have. You look at Will Howard's stats for his career. He's thrown for 5,786 yards, 48 touchdowns and 25 interceptions. He was really only the full-time starter at Kansas State last year, kind of had the job in and out when injuries happened the two years prior, but threw for 2,643 yards and 24 touchdowns, completing 61.3% of his passes. And as you mentioned, Bill, he wasn't throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr., not that he will uh, next year, but that level of receiver that Ohio State has. I've watched Will Howard back quite a bit. I actually watched him before the Cotton Bowl because Missouri played Kansas State this season. And, you know, there's a lot of, of positive things to work with. Now, you do need to clean some things up, I think, and, and Ryan Day should be able to work with him on that in terms of kind of mechanical things, footwork, that type of stuff. And that's going to be important this offseason. He will obviously have to get in there and get snapping with Seth, Seth McLaughlin to help alleviate any concerns about the uh, center quarterback exchange there. But I think this is a player who, at the very least, brings you a lot of experience, more experience than you are going to get from Devin Brown, Lincoln Keenholz, or Aaron Nolan. I, uh, I, I, I don't know, you know what the ceiling is for Will Howard, just having not seen him with this group, but I definitely think it is a, a nice pickup and an aggressive pickup from Ohio State, who typically haven't recruited over guys 
from the transfer portal. And that's kind of what they did here with, the, uh, with, you know, Devin Brown and, and Lincoln Keenholz both coming back. So a, a sort of a change in the mold, I think a little bit in terms of how Ohio state is, uh, is handling the transfer portal. And I think, uh, uh, looking forward a little bit, spring practice is going to be a little, I think a little bit of fun, of fun yeah. this year and interesting. You've got, uh, a new former Alabama starting offensive lineman that's here. You've got a brand new quarterback that's had a lot of success. And you've got a guy we haven't talked about yet, Quinshawn Judkins, coming in. So I'm kind of pretty excited to see those guys uh, for the first time this spring in Ohio State uniforms. Yes, spring spring's always exciting, at least to start, because we're back you know, over at the Woody. There's football. There's stuff to talk about. But this spring especially, I think this is one of the more interesting off-seasons Ohio State has had uh, in some time, obviously with everything that happened this year, but the additions that they've made. Uh, Bill, you alluded to where I was going next. Quinshawn Judkins, the running back out of Ole Miss. First of all, I'm going to take people behind the curtain a little bit here on, on how this happened. You and I both watched the national championship game at our own respective homes. Uh, you had gone to bed or you were getting ready to go to bed before Michigan uh, started lifting the the trophy, I had to call you and be like, hey, Bill, the kid committed. And uh, do you think there's any coincidence that that happened right after Michigan won its first national title since 1997? Well, I I, I, I wanted I did not particularly want to watch the Michigan celebration. So Understand. I was uh, getting ready to go to bed. I, you know, I felt like... Uh, Judkins and you and I talked about it could be committing at any time, but I didn't necessarily plan on him committing just as the game ended. <laughs> I think it was a uh, uh, great theater. Let me put it that way. So, uh, you know, we had everything ready and we quickly got the story on. And uh, um, I just think it was uh, uh, not as I think you put it a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was, now, whether, you know, if Washington had won, whether that was going to happen anyway, maybe he'd wait till the morning. I don't know. That's something I definitely, whenever we get the chance to to talk with Quinshawn, I, I definitely want to ask about the timing of all that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I got him on the phone that night for uh, a, a, a pretty quick call, but at least uh, for a minute on the phone that night, uh, right after he did that. And uh, he... He is super excited, very excited to get things started at Ohio State. So why should Buckeye fans be excited about this player? Um, yeah, he's two-year starter at Ole Miss. What, what are the Buckeyes getting from Quinchon Judkins? Well, you've got a, another, and I hate to say it again. Well, actually, I like saying it again in this case. A proven SEC high-level guy. I mean, I, he was, I believe, the freshman of the year his first year in the freshman of the year in the SEC, his first year at Ole Miss. And then I believe he was all SEC his second year. Yep. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, that's great, actually. Um, so you got a proven guy. He's not um, uh, total breakaway threat, but he's fast enough. And he's very productive. And to me, that's the number one thing. Are you productive? Can you get the yards? Can you get the job? And he is absolutely productive for two seasons. And keep in mind, one of these seasons is true freshman year. And um, he's playing for a good Ole Miss team. But when you think of the SEC, you think of Alabama and Georgia and a couple other schools. You don't necessarily think of Ole Miss right away. Yet he still gained over 2,700 yards in two seasons, one of which was his freshman year. Yeah, I mean, just the numbers alone kind of blow you away here going, uh, you know, with the defenses he played against 1,567 yards and 16 touchdowns as a freshman. Those were records, not for freshmen, but Ole Miss rushing records that he set um, as a freshman this past year, a little bit less, 1,158 yards, 15 touchdowns. He can also catch the ball a little bit, has 37 catches for 281 yards and three touchdowns. Look, this, as you mentioned, Bill, I mean, he was a top, top player in the SEC and not a guy who was highly recruited out of high school, but has clearly shown um, to defy kind of our rankings and everyone else's 
in terms of uh, you know what what the expectations were from him. Um, any indication on your end why he decided to leave Ole Miss? Well, I think really is looking for a bigger challenge at all. Um, yeah, you, again, Ole Miss is is turned into a good program, and you cannot uh, debate the job that Kiffin has done there. But it's not Ohio State, it's not Alabama, and it's not Georgia. And I think uh, he'll get the opportunity at Ohio State to uh, take his game to the next level. Yeah, certainly will. Um, what that level will be, I think people are wondering because we still don't know what Travion Henderson as is going to do. Now, that may change by the time this podcast gets released. Heck, with Donovan Jackson announcing while we're recording here, maybe we'll find out during the podcast. But what's kind of your feel on Travion Henderson? Because I think there's a path if Travion Henderson does decide to come back where Ohio State could use both of them and I'll loop lump Dallin Hayden in there. But but what do you what's kind of your gut feeling on where we stand with Travion Henderson here on January 10th? Oh, I definitely I absolutely feel there's a path there. Um, you know, when you look at the NFL, for instance, you don't see uh, the feature running back anywhere near as often as you used to. Um, you know, you've got a Nick Chubb, although he, you know, obviously went down with an injury this year, uh, Derrick Henry, but a lot of NFL teams have gone more to the running back by committee. And I, I think, uh, in Ohio state's case, um, you know, you're going to have enough carries for both of those guys, providing they're both playing for the Scarlet and gray next August and September. Um, and you can keep yourself fresh. I think that you, everybody knows this days, the shelf life on a running back is generally not 15 years in the NFL. It's not even 10 years for most running backs in the NFL. So that's a way to keep guy, both guys fresh and use their talents. Um, I, I think the main goal would be to have a productive offense and win a national championship rather than have one guy rushing for 1,600 to 2,000 yards. Yes. Uh, now, the key will be convincing the kids of that, right? Uh, that the national championship is more important. But I assume that that was part of the conversations already. And look, I think to your point, you use the NFL example. The college football is going to look a lot more like the NFL next year with the, the 12-team playoff, more teams getting in. You can lose a game or two, especially if you're an Ohio State program. And you just want to be playing your best at the end of the season to make a run in the, the new 12-team playoff. And to play your best, I think you would need a couple running backs that are healthy and, and whatnot. And we've seen, you look this year, Mayan Williams injured at the end of the season. Two years ago, Travion Henderson couldn't play against Georgia in, in the Cotton Bowl. And that was even in a running back room when he was splitting carries with Mayan Williams. Um, I am very interested to see what Travion Henderson does because I think you could make an argument that, look, you're a running back. You get to the NFL as quickly as possible because, as you said, Bill, there's a shelf life. But on the other side, I think you can come back. You can be really productive. As, much, as a number of these guys have mentioned in this junior class, potentially beat Michigan, win a Big Ten championship, maybe win a national championship. And now you've accomplished stuff as a team more than just an individual, which I do think will matter to, to a lot of these guys. We've seen that already. So I will be very interested to see what, what Travion Henderson decides. He is one of the guys who I feel like has been more up in the air maybe than, than some of the others. Um, and, well, and, oh, go ahead. and for all the, all the negative things that have been said about the NIL, yeah, the NIL is making some of this possible too. You know, if, I think if this was uh, eight years ago, Travion Henderson maybe doesn't even consider coming back. Sure. Now he can he he can get a a de pretty decent chunk of money by staying at Ohio State and then perhaps catapulting himself even higher in the next draft and make it all pay off um, financially. Whereas before the NIL, he can do that. And Ohio State has done a fantastic job. They had a plan. Their plan was to. As many of these guys that were maybe going to leave for the NFL early to keep them at Ohio State for one more year and enhance their draft stock, but also with the NIL, they can make it make it work for them financially. 
and they have executed that plan extremely well. Um, it, it, it's a plan that, uh, you know, with guys that are at Ohio State in their third, fourth, and fifth years, they can win a national championship without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, the the not to not that you want to be following in Michigan's footsteps, but even Jack Sawyer, when he was asked about it at the Cotton Bowl, acknowledged that the Buckeyes have recognized a couple of years ago there were some guys at Michigan led by Aiden Hutchinson and Cade McNamara that decided to come back. They wanted to to not leave the program in a bad spot, having lost to Ohio State however many times in a row it was. They wanted to win a Big Ten championship and compete for a national championship, and they felt they had the talent to do it. And I think you are seeing a very similar situation here. And to your point, Bill, it is boosted by the fact that these guys can make some money now. And credit to Ohio State, credit to these collectives out there for getting the job done. I think that you know, while it's awesome to land the top recruits, which Ohio State did do some of that, and, you know, bring in these transfer portal guys and that's news and guys are new to the program and that's exciting. Keeping the guys who have been in the program, who know what this offseason is going to look like, know what it means to play in the Big Ten, have a passion for Ohio State. I don't think you can uh, I don't think you can undervalue that. That that's just as big as adding a five star kid out of high school or out of the transfer portal, in my mind, you know, especially if they're productive, which a lot of these guys have been. I, I like to say there, uh, there is nobody that Ohio State was going to be able to bring in, uh, say, on the offensive line, for, as an example. There was a, there's really not much of anybody out there that they were going to be that, that would be better right away than Seth McLaughlin, as an example. Um, so keeping these guys here has just been a brilliant uh, strategy that's working out very well. Yeah. But, and for that matter, you know, there, there's nobody out there, uh, any better that they're going to get right away to play for Ohio state, uh, than say, uh, Judkins. I mean, he's proven absolutely proven at the highest level in the sec. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you said it really well there. Um, let's look at the guys that have announced that they are coming back in your mind. Is there one guy? And I think I already know the answer, but I'll let you tell people, um, that was a priority for Ohio state, or maybe will will is the biggest deal that he's coming back at least of the guys that have announced so far. Well, yeah, I think there's, it's been a really a great thing all along, but I guess, you know, if, if, if I had to name one, I'd, I'd probably name high up on the list Denzel Burke. Uh, corners are, are pretty hard to – great corners are pretty hard to come by. Uh, certainly he'd be high. They, they, uh, Donovan Jackson's important because of the, the state of the offensive line. Uh, having him come back, um, certainly I think that was huge. And um, I, I just think that Jack Sawyer, you know, how can you beat having somebody him like like him coming back? So I, I don't know that I would say that I would necessarily say one single guy is most important. I think just as a group, it's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you look thus far leading into today, it had been almost exclusively on the defensive side of the ball where the Buckeyes were really good this year, right? And you're adding back a lot of the pieces that were key to that. Uh, the name I thought you were going to mention was Tyleek Williams, just because I know you and I talked yeah, about yeah, yeah, how important that, Ohio that, State. Actually, that one's been so long, I almost forgot about him. That was huge. It was he, there was two or three guys that they absolutely were targeting at the top, and he was one of them. Yeah, and I think if you can have, and I know Ohio State's defensive line didn't put up a ton of numbers this year, but I think you obviously saw the breakout season for Tyleek Williams. You saw some really good things from Ty Hamilton, who will now move into an even bigger role with Michael Hall Jr. leaving. And then as the season got progressed, Jack Sawyer became a really hard player for offensive linemen to block. Over the last three games, and that includes the Cotton Bowl, he had at least one sack, three sacks in the Cotton Bowl. I think you really started to see him come on. Now, he's got to carry that into this offseason. He's got to carry that in next year. But remember, in 2022, Jack Sawyer was playing this Jack hybrid position 
and he had to get back to playing defensive end. And I think you saw what Jack Sawyer can do as a pure pass rusher. So you look at what Michigan did in the college football playoff, and I hate to keep referencing Michigan on this podcast, but I think it's just a good example. The ability that they had to put pressure on the opposing quarterback um, was whether they got home like they did in the Alabama game or just made a guy feel uncomfortable and put some hits on the quarterback like they did against Washington. That was what got them through the playoff and into the national championship. I mean, even the Ohio state game, you know, it was that pressure that caused that interception that, that Kyle McCord threw at the end. So having that up front, those three back, um, I agree with you on Denzel Burke. I agree with you on all of the guys, but I think having those guys back up front is huge and, you know, will only lead to more success defensively as you head into the 2024 season. Yeah. And, and the thing, and I use this example on, on some of our other podcasts, you know, people were asking about what offensive tackles and defensive tackles Ohio state could get out of the portal. And I said numerous times that, Tyleek Williams is absolutely better than anybody Ohio State could possibly get out of the portal from the guys that were in the portal. He he is a guy that that they would rather have than any of those portal de- defensive tackles. And um, you know, not only because of his talent, but he's been in the system. He's he's knows every, you know he's been with the coaches and he's been at the school and productive. So uh, you know, you take him over anybody out there in the portal. Yeah, and I, I, again, I don't think you can undersell the importance of, of being a part of the program previously. Now, obviously, you want top talent and you want production, and sometimes that doesn't always add up. But, you know, just the, the value of knowing what you're getting into, you know, these guys that are transferring in, as talented as they may be, they're starting over to some degree. Now, it's not like your freshman year of college where this is all brand new to you, but you still have to, you're moving to a new town. You're moving into a new apartment. You got to make new friends. I mean, people don't think about kind of the off the field stuff. And then on the field, you know, you've got to learn where their stuff is in the facility, learn everyone's name, learn the playbook, all of that stuff that these guys coming back won't have to do. And you know, again, I understand. I think it's awesome when you, you have news about new guys coming in. And that's why free agency and the NFL and the NBA gets almost as much attention in the offseason as the actual season does. And it's starting to be the case with the transfer portal and recruiting now. But, um, you know, if you can bring back veterans like this, I think it's only going to help moving forward uh, in my mind. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, you say the bringing in the new guys as opposed to the old guys. And when I started doing what I do 30, 36, 37 years ago, that's one of the things I liked about recruiting is just bringing in the new and seeing, you know, what you're going to have and things like that. Um, but as you've mentioned, uh, sometimes you forget how good the old is yeah, when you're absolutely. talking about the new. And even we do that, even in recruiting, sometimes when a guy commits really early and then, uh, uh, towards the end, well, we missed on this guy or that guy, we're not doing very well. You'll hear, well, if, uh, somebody had committed that committed really early when you got a big commitment, had committed late, everybody would be just so thrilled. But um, uh, like in the case of uh, Zaire Mathis today, yep. if you move forward to next November um, or December, uh, people will almost have forgotten that uh, they'll, they'll be so interested in, are we going to get this guy or that guy, that Zaire Matthews will be in the rearview mirror but he's a tremendous prospect, a top 50 prospect nationally. And Ohio State got him today. Let's go into that because Ohio State has landed two very good uh, prospects, commitments for the 2025 class since the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Devin Sanchez, the cornerback out of Houston. And then you mentioned Mathis. Uh, kind of break down both of those players. I remember seeing Devin Sanchez out at camp last summer was really impressed with him, but you, you have an eye for this. What are the Buckeyes getting in both those guys? Well, before that, I, I, I uh, want to mention that, um, you, you know, when Jim Knowles came in, he brought in a new defense mm-hmm. and that first year, Ohio state didn't really uh, hit it out of the park with their defensive recruiting. 
And we talked about how it may take a, a year of seeing Jim Knowles and a good Ohio State defense to really bump recruiting up. And I think that's exactly what's happened here. Yeah. Ohio State had a pretty strong defense this year, except for maybe the Michigan game. It let down some. But generally speaking, if you look at the whole season, Ohio State's defense was strong this year. And so recruits could see that, hey, this is a defense now that is good, that's gone the right direction and is going the right direction. And I can go there as a top-level defensive player and excel. And they're kind of like sold some on the defense. And I think that's part of it now. You've seen Ohio State get this week two really high-level guys. And we'll start with, you mentioned Devin Sanchez. You know, he saw what Ohio State's cornerbacks did this year and that they were – he saw Denzel Burke. He saw the development. His mom mentioned when we were at that, you and I were at that camp last summer, and Devin and his mom and dad were there. She mentioned development is going to be really important. And so they've gotten now a five star guy with great length, um, can do everything you want in a great corner. He's the number one cornerback in the country, in my opinion. And maybe if this was going into Jim Knowles's first year, I don't know. That, who, who knows? Maybe they wouldn't have gotten Devin Sanchez. But now with a track record a bit, they've gotten a great one. And what about Mathis? Tell us about Mathis. Well, Matthews is a 6'6", 225-pound defensive end. <coughs> Excuse me. He, um, he's got great length, obviously. Um, he had offers from virtually every top program in the country, including Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. He narrowed it down to Ohio State, uh, Texas A&M, or sorry, Texas was in there. Uh, those were two. Those are two of the best programs in the country. Were in his top five. Florida State was in his final five. So he had a great list. Um, I, I think you're going to see a guy that can rush the passer and is going to be a, a, a six foot six, 250, 260 pound guy by the time he gets started at Ohio State. And I think he's a great compliment to Edric Houston, who signed this year for the Buckeyes. Houston is a strong side defensive end. And I think uh, Matthews is more along the lines of a weak side defensive end that can really get after the passer. Uh, we had question, and I think this is worth bringing up, um, asking about Dorian Brew committing today. People in the chat answered that it's later this month, the 24th. Yeah. But um, he is he is supposed to make an announcement today. Uh, in fact, I I, uh, kind of, I kind of broke that news when he told me the other night that he had just uh, he had got a, an announcement date, and I put that on the on our site right away. A story about that that Dorian Brew is actually going to announce on January twenty four. That is his mom's birthday. His mom, of course, is a uh, Ohio former Ohio State track athlete, and I would say pretty good because she's in the Ohio State women's track hall of fame. So that's right. pretty good. Um, yes. He's going to announce on her birthday, but the announcement that he told me also was coming was that uh, uh, he was planning to drop his final five, most likely today. Today, uh, That was his date to aim for. Hadn't, he hasn't done it yet, but that was his day to aim for. And we all know in this day and age, everybody does their edits and everything uh, for these kind of things. And sometimes the edits don't get done on time. So we'll yeah. see. But uh, Buckeye fans don't need to worry. He told me that Ohio State will be in uh, on that edit or whatever uh, in his top five. Yeah, well, and I think we're, we're talking cornerbacks here. And I, I mentioned to you, I'm going to write something. I'm in the process of writing something. If guys stopped, if they're stopped being such breaking news every 10 minutes, <laughs> I might get it done. But uh, credit needs to go to Tim Walton for his recruiting of some of these corners and the development of some of the corners that, that the Buckeyes, not only this class, but these last couple that he's been a part of. Um, I don't know if he gets, obviously we talk about Brian Hartline and the success that he has. We talk a lot about when things aren't going well for, for guys recruiting, but Tim Walton, who wasn't a guy who I think most people thought of as a, a great recruiter, just because he hadn't done it. He'd been coaching in the NFL. Um, I think you are uh, starting to see what Tim Walton can do on the recruiting trail as well as in the building. Um, so credit to him. And while we're on the topic of coaching, you mentioned defensive linemen, Mathis, a defensive lineman. 
Larry Johnson obviously has been negatively recruited against for a while. This came up again with Ed, the Edric Houston uh, situation right before his signing. Ryan Day said Larry Johnson isn't going anywhere. What's kind of your read on how teams are recruiting against Ohio State with Larry Johnson and how they're combating that from a Buckeye perspective? Well, they, they are absolutely negative recruiting against Ohio State. I, you know, I, I hear it uh, from recruits, you know, sometimes that and I hear it from other sources, too, that, you know, this school says that Larry Johnson's not going to be there, uh, certainly for the lifetime of your period, if you go to Ohio State, but maybe not even there a year or two. Um, so that, that is happening. Absolutely. And uh, to Larry Johnson's credit, you know, we hear this every year. You know, I've heard it for five years, I think. Larry Johnson's going to be retiring, and now here we are five years later, Larry Johnson's not retiring. He loves what he does. Um, so, you know, it's something High State has to battle, but Larry Johnson, as evidenced by Zaire Matthews, Mathis, I should say, is combating it as well as can, can be expected. And by the way, one thing I want to mention real quick, too, we heard uh, how uh, Michigan uh, – High State's losing all these guys in the portal when they had lost 15 guys in the portal and everything. Um, Michigan's not losing anybody in the portal. And we said, well, give it time. Nobody's going to bail on a school a week before the national championship game or whatever. Well, I just saw come across that wide receiver Darius Clemens from Michigan has entered the, the transfer portal. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's going to happen. The you know, the transfer portal waits for no man and they are going to, uh, you know, Michigan will lose players just like Ohio state does. You know, last year when Ohio state was in the college football playoff, they lost a couple beforehand guys that clearly weren't going to be a part of it, but weren't going to, uh, you know, they, they, they aren't going to jump ship with the chance to win a national championship. So um, let's move on to the coaching staff bill, because I know people are very interested in, in what Ryan day, um, is is going to do with this group of coaches. Here's what we know so far. Uh, two days ago, we're recording this again on Wednesday, January 10th, the Buckeyes moved on from Perry Eliano, safeties coach, who was at the end of his two-year contract when he was hired by Ohio State from Cincinnati. Uh, Bill, I think a lot of people looked at this with, uh, with a bit of confusion because – Perry Eliano did a pretty good job. I mean, you look at the safeties Ohio State's had the last two years. Um, I wouldn't say that that's been an issue. What's kind of your read on the decision to move on from Perry Eliano? Well, first of all, I, yeah, I want to say Perry, Anna, Perry Eliano is a good coach and a fine man. I mean, he is really a good person, a good man. Um I, I, I've enjoyed getting to know him and he'll land on his feet because like I said, he is a good football coach and uh, a, a really good person. So um, I, 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 I'm not worried about Perry Iliano uh, being out of work for a long time. He'll, 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 he'll land on his feet. Um, as far as him leaving, I think, you know, I agree with you that, he did a, a nice job of developing the safety play this year was pretty good. I mean, overall, I thought, uh, I thought ransom played well. Unfortunately he got hurt, but he played well. Proctor played well. Uh, yeah. I, I think that um, the downfall, if you want to call it that, I think uh, uh, the safety recruiting, they missed out on some guys that they really wanted the last two years. Um, having said that, I think, Ryan Day wanted to bring in someone that, uh, among other things, is going to be able to be a good recruiter. Uh, he has hired, as as we know, Matt Guerrieri, who is a former Ohio State uh, coach. He was on the staff, and he's been with Jim Knowles a number of years. He was with Knowles at Duke. Um, he was, you know, he's he's been he's just very familiar with Jim Knowles and that system. So I think it it makes sense. And he's a young guy that I think can be and will be effective going out and recruiting. Yeah, we'll, let, we'll just group these two together here. Uh, that was announced shortly before we started recording this, that the Buckeyes had hired Matt. Say the last name again for me, Bill. Gurrieri. There you go. Uh, Gurrieri. 
I, I had to spell it several times, but I hadn't actually thought about how you pronounce it. And I've met Matt, but I've never had to use his last name. Um, I've always just called him Matt when I've seen him. But uh, yeah, this is a guy who, as you mentioned, worked with Jim Knowles at Duke, was at Duke for seven years, um, worked with the safeties. When Jim Knowles left for Oklahoma State, he took over as the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach. Then he came to Ohio State, was a senior analyst, I believe was the title here, but basically was here to help kind of shift everything, get a coach on staff, another coach on staff who knew Jim Knowles' defense, obviously helped progress the Buckeye defense that year, and then moved on and was the defensive coordinator at Indiana this past season. Um, if you look at Indiana's numbers statistically in terms of their defense, they're not great, but if you compare them to the year prior, they're actually a, a, a step in the right direction, um, which is interesting because that's what Jim Knowles has done at most programs he's gone, where he's taken over defenses that haven't been great, and year by year they got better. We won't know what would have happened if Guerrieri would have remained with the Hoosiers because he's coming to Ohio State. Um, the interesting thing about the announcement here was that, and I'm just going to read this, Matt Guerrieri has been hired as the program's new safeties coach with additional responsibilities to be assigned. I, that's not one I've seen before on a press release. My guess, and this is entirely speculation on my part, is that because what we're going to talk about next, Parker Fleming has not been retained by the staff or by Ryan Day on the staff. I would not be surprised if Guerrieri has special teams responsibilities in his job description um, maybe it won't be part of his title, but works with the special teams. And that opens up the door for James Laurinaitis to be a full-time assistant coach, coaching linebackers, whatever you want to do. Um, do. Do you think that's a good read there, Bill? I certainly think that it's uh, within the realm of possibility. To me, though, the, the question mark is, does James Laurinaitis want to be a full-time coach? Mm -hmm. um, James Laurinaitis is a really good recruiter. But when you're a full-time coach, you you go out on the road and you do spend a decent, you know, a, a really a lot of time on the road. Um, does he want to do that? You know, only, only James Laurinaitis can answer that question for sure. You know, in a position he's in, he's not allowed to go out on the road uh, and recruit in his current position. So I think if, if James Laurinaitis wants to do that, I think it's very, very possible you know, maybe even quite likely to happen. But I think that would be, uh, you know, what does James Laurinaitis want to do? He's got kids. Uh, they're not old kids because he's not an old uh, person. He doesn't have the gray hair like me. Um, you know, what does he want to do lifestyle-wise right now? Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. One that probably hasn't been talked about. Um, I think most people assume that James, you know, that's the next natural step from what he's doing now, but you make a good point. If it's a lot of work to go out there and recruit and, and whatnot, um, I would be surprised if James isn't a full-time assistant here soon. Um, you know, maybe it's not this off season, but I think it will be, but we will find out. Um, Bill Parker Fleming, obviously the special teams issues are well-documented. I don't think this was a surprise to anybody. Uh, I do, I do want to point out, you know, cause I know when, when Perry Eliano was not retained, people were quick to, why is this the first move? Well, when the guy's out of contract versus you're firing a guy, uh, it, it, you have to go through more of a process to fire a guy. So sometimes that takes a little bit longer. That doesn't mean that that was necessarily the first decision made by Ryan day. Um, special teams coordinator isn't one that you need to have on the staff. What is your read on kind of how they will address this if it's not just moving James Laurinaitis to a full-time role? And and what do you make of the Parker Fleming special teams era? Well, obviously they, you know, it didn't go as well as expected. Uh, and the recruiting end of it, you know, and, and not as just a, a recruiter for special teams, but overall the recruiting end of it did not go as well as, well as expected. And as you said, Pat, you know, I think, this was an expected move by all of us. Um, you know, now, as far as moving forward on that, I don't think it's out of the question that Ryan Day could hire another special teams coach. I know that there was a lot of speculation that he wasn't going to hire another safeties coach, that he would hire 
or, or he would have Tim Walton just take over the entire secondary because Tim Walton has done that before, both as a college coach and in the NFL. He has been the defensive backs coach, not just the safeties coach. So there was a lot or cornerbacks coach. There was a lot of speculation that maybe that would happen. Um, I, I wasn't convinced it was going to happen at all. Um, and it did not happen, as, as we talked about. Uh, Ryan Day hired a safeties coach. Um, so I think that it is possible that he could hire a special teams coach again. But I, I think he will go more, more of the direction that you uh, are saying. Whoever he hires um, could also have those duties, but coach a different position uh, or, or specific position and be the special teams coach. That could happen. Or like you said, it, it could be James Laurinaitis moving up and somebody else on the staff like Matt Guerrieri or someone else take over the special teams. But I think it's, that's the most likely path. This is going to go not to hire a, a special teams coach per se. Yeah. Remember when urban, uh, a lot of urban's time at Ohio state, he was working a lot with the special teams. Kerry uh, Combs, I know did a lot of work when he was in Columbus with the special teams under coach Meyer. So you, you don't have to have a guy whose title includes special teams in order to do that. And Buckeyes had some pretty good special teams, if I remember correctly, uh, in the urban Meyer uh, era at Ohio state. So you, you could go that route as well. Uh, we are speaking of urban Meyer, one of the first, well, not one of the first, he, he flat out would say back in the day, he hires coaches first, number one, foremost, what kind of recruiter they are. Yeah. So I could, I could see Ryan day doing that, you know, going out and, and Hey, I'm going to get a great recruiter. That's one of the things that is, if not at the top of the uh, uh, priority chain, very high on it. Yeah. And by the way, Jim Morris would fit that bill. He, yeah, he I, is a dynamic recruiter. Yeah. Uh, he just hasn't been able to go out on the road and do it. Right. Uh, this is not the end. This is only the beginning of the off season. I expect we will have more news, maybe even before this podcast gets published, if not shortly thereafter. Um, it's just nonstop right now with the Buckeyes. So, Bill, appreciate you jumping on uh, and talking for nearly an hour here. We we did uh, covering. Hey, yeah. Yeah. At cover. I mean, there was a lot to talk about. There's been a lot that's <laughs> happened in a week and a half. Right. So uh, thanks, Bill. I do appreciate it. And I think we got some good stuff there. All right. Always my pleasure. And uh, you're, you're nonstop work today. And I'm sure you're uh, not far off from that basketball game either. Yeah. Yeah. I still have to write a basketball story before that, that I wanted to do by noon today. So I'm <laughs> a little behind. Well, good luck. All right. Thanks, Bill. All right. Thanks again to Bill Kerlick. Um, You know, I figured if we're going to talk about all these additions and whatnot that, that the Buckeyes have made, and there have been quite a few, uh, Bill was the guy to have on and, and kind of help me break all that down. If you missed any of it, obviously this will get posted as a podcast. The video will be up on YouTube. So you can go back. Um, if you were trying to, if you caught this live in the midst, we went through everything, everything that's happened this uh, so far, this very short off season that feels like it's been a long off season already. Um, I think there's been a lot of positives as Bill and I went over and the Buckeyes are setting themselves up to be in a good place heading into 2024. As I said earlier, I want to see what things look like once we get to spring ball. You know, Not everything is done yet. There's still a few guys that need to announce their decisions in terms of the NFL draft. There may still be coaching changes to uh, Ryan Day that will announce. So, you know, things could still look different when we talk again this week or next week, excuse me. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a good show, I think. Anyway, Buckeye fans, appreciate you all tuning in. I know there were some questions in the chat. We just had so much to talk about today. We didn't get to them all. Uh, if if they are still relevant next week, I think we will probably have more time for those. So bring those back. And as Bill mentioned, there is uh, Ohio State basketball posts a top 25 Wisconsin team Wednesday night. Steve and I will be there. So if that's your thing, we will uh, we will have plenty of coverage from that. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Cheers.
This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.